So just the idea for children first, um, have you ever seen an animal with their young? Like a cat with kittens or a dog with puppies? Have you ever seen anything like that? So it's kind of fun to watch them, isn't it? I had a, uh, a cat I brought into the house at one point and I didn't realize it until later, but she was with kitten. And, uh, and so she had three cats, three kittens that, she, that I watched uh, being born. It was really quite interesting. And, uh, and then uh, this was in the basement of the house where I lived, uh, was her little place where she gave birth and the beds were there and the kittens were there. And one day we decided that that wasn't a safe enough place for them. Know how kittens have the skin the back of their neck. She picked each one of them up by the skin in the back of their neck and carried them up to a spare bedroom on the second floor of the house and into a closet and under a chest of drawers. And she made a little place for them, a safe place, uh, so that they wouldn't be out in the open for the whole world to see. And that's where the kittens then spent a big big part of their early days in this upstairs bedroom under a chest of drawers hidden away from all human life in the house. So I just thought that was fascinating that this mother kitten was so concerned about their safety and wanted a place for them uh, to be alone and safe. And so the image we have of God is that God is our great parent and we are all God's children. And there are a lot of images in the Bible about how God cares for us then as God's children. And in fact, Paul was talking in the second lesson about uh, how we are really adopted into God's family. We're not, uh, we're not uh, someone that um, is necessarily made in a test tube to be perfect. We're adopted, and usually when people adopt a child, they say, we're going to love you no matter what your background, who you are, what your situation was when you were born. Uh, everything is new if you starting from now, because now we are your parents, you are our children, this is our we're going to keep you safe. We're going to love you no matter what. And it's a lovely image. And that's kind of the image that we have of God uh, today, thinking of us as being God's adopted family, adopted children all together, making us sisters and brothers and making us part of this incredible, incredible church and world of God's love that we live in. So just wanted to uh, maybe someday you can tell me if you have an interesting uh, animal story of how you watched a parent uh, take care of their kittens or puppies or foals or whatever it was, and how that really mirrors God's love for us. But now on to the gospel lesson. Uh, I think most of you know that I was the night minister for several years with San Francisco Night Ministry. And one of the things we always talked about was how 
we provided non-judgmental pastoral care. All right, so uh, is it possible to really be non-judgmental? We tried as hard as we could. It's really, I think, part of our human condition. It is just so difficult for so many people. It's really challenging because you see so much, you know, um, and we make so many assumptions about people. But honestly, you know, these assumptions are being challenged all the time, aren't they? So... Uh, we hear in the news about people who are living this double life, you know, uh, all of a sudden uh, some husband and wife are arrested because they were mass murderers, you know, and the neighbors that are interviewed by the police or, or by the reporters say, oh, well, you know, they were perfect neighbors, always kind, always friendly, shoveled my snow, mowed my lawn. You know, we never suspected that they had this evil past in their life. And the other side of the story is just equally as true, I suppose. Um, I got a call one night when I was the night minister because uh, an, a person who lives south of Market didn't want to call the police on this person who was making quite a ruckus outside of his front door, but um, knew night ministry and thought we could help uh, de-escalate a situation. And I got there and it was a gentleman who was uh, screaming at the top of his lungs, running up and down the street. Uh, and there were a lot of people camped out on the street in, on, on that particular block. And they were yelling at him to shut up. And he had a gun in his hand and he was threatening to shoot them. And he claimed he also had a knife in his pocket. And so I showed up <laughs> and um, the gentleman was awfully upset because he really wanted the police to show up because he was intending to fire the gun and he wanted them to kill him. So really this whole, this whole situation was that he was so frustrated with his life and his circumstances that he didn't know what to do. He was afraid to shoot himself, but he wanted somebody else to do it. So it was really a suicidal call. So we sat for a couple of hours and chatted about all kinds of things. I learned a little bit about his history. He had schizophrenia and he had, uh, he had a child onset of schizophrenia, which meant that even as a child, he spent years in psychiatric hospitals off and on and, um, and probably some foster homes as well. Uh, he could read at about a third grade level because I gave him a couple of things to read while I was talking with him just to just to kind of focus him a little bit on something some some meditations uh, but he he could barely get through them he, he turned out to be one of the sweetest, kindest men i 've ever met. He was very childlike and very innocent in some ways. Um, in fact, uh, years later, uh, when he was finally housed, I would go and do a Bible study with him every couple of weeks. Uh, he felt a really, a really strong sense of God's call to ministry. So, um, so I'm, 
I'm glad that the neighbor called me instead of the police. I'm glad he wasn't killed that night. I'm glad he didn't kill anybody else. Uh, wound up taking the gun away from him. We threw it in the bay. Um, there was a favorite spot on the Embarcadero that I would go and toss guns into the bay quite often. So, so again, you have what seems to be decent people doing horrific things. Sometimes we hear in the news, we have horrific people at first glance who are really lovely people inside. Um, and so sometimes it's just hard to know what we're dealing with. And, and that makes it so difficult for us to be non-judgmental. The servants in the parable that Jesus told today are anxious to run into the field and pull up the weeds that they found. But then they're told not to. They're told not to because sometimes it's impossible to tell the weeds from the wheat. They're told not to because if they pulled up the bad weeds, they might also uproot some of the good wheat. And they're told not to because making a judgment about what is a weed and what is wheat isn't the job of the servants. That judgment is best left up to God. And that's why the householder in the parable cautions the servants, don't act too quickly, don't jump to conclusions, because you just never know. In the parable, the servants ask, Master, did you not sow good seed into your field? Where have the weeds come from? And in some ways, that's probably a question we ask ourselves all the time, right? We want to know where evil comes from or why there's evil in the world. And the parable doesn't give us a good answer. It does not explain to us why evil exists, why good things get corrupted, why some kids get messed up, why some people turn into suicide bombers, why bad things happen to good people. But it does admit to a problem. The weeds and weed, the weeds and the wheat grow together in the same field. So this is a reality of our life, right? Good and evil coexist, not only in the world, but in each one of us. Each one of us has the potential to be both good and evil. It's much easier, however, to recognize evil in others than it is to recognize it in ourselves. In a report in the U.S. News and World Report a few years ago, um, the reporter said that people were complaining because, as Americans, we were no longer civil to each other. The article addressed how most people today treat other people really quite rudely, showing very little respect for one another. The article reported that in a survey, 90% of all Americans said the loss of civility was a serious problem in our country. In that same survey, they found that 99% of all Americans say that they themselves are civil. In other words, almost everyone agrees that people in this country are rude and mean, but only one in 100 is willing to admit <laughs> that they are part of the problem. 
So it's easy for us to see the weeds growing all around us, but it's hard for us sometimes to see the weeds that are inside of us, but they're there. St. Paul recognized that um, when he said, I can will what is right, but I can't do it. For I do not do the good I want to do, but I do the evil I don't want to do. Then he explains that he can't even do what he should. He does what um, he does do what he shouldn't because he's a sinner, and then explains that we're all sinners. That's kind of what Martin Luther said in this Latin phrase: "Symbol justus et peccator." We are all saints and sinners at the same time. There is good and there is evil in all of us. Most of the time, though, we're pretty sure we know who the weeds in the world are. So if we're Republican, it's obviously the Democrats. If we're Democrat, it's mm -hmm. obviously the Republicans. If we're outside of government, we're pretty sure that all politicians are weeds. It seems blatantly obvious to us that terrorists are weeds and need to be uprooted, or drug dealers, or murderers, or corporate fraudsters. Um, the temptation is to uproot them. And it's so strong at times that it can make our blood boil. And that temptation has led to things like the Spanish Inquisition, the Salem Witch Trials, the McCarthy-era House Un-American Activities Committee trials, and other actions. The parable before us, though, calls for caution calls for patience, and tells us not to go into the fields ripping out what we think are weeds, lest we inadvertently uproot the good wheat at the same time. The householder pleads for patience. He's saying, you don't really know enough. You do not have the grounds to judge because all the evidence is not in. Jesus knew from his own experience he chose disciples who, if you looked at the early signs, didn't turn out as expected. Judas showed early signs of promise and ended up betraying Jesus. Peter, who denied even knowing Jesus, became the most fervent and faithful of the disciples. Today's parable reminds us that we are not God. We are not the ones who are to pass judgment. If we do, we may very well make mistakes. We may mistake some weeds for wheat, and we may mistake some wheat for weeds. Passing judgment is not our job, it's God's job. And that is a good thing because we're not equipped to make those judgments correctly. We certainly would make mistakes. Today's parable is also encouraging for each one of us. It's the story of grace and patience and hope. It tells us that God can help us live in this world and that God can even change weeds into wheat, transforming them for a new purpose. Even the owner of the field in the parable tells the servants that they should be patient so that God will do the same with us. It's like the old saying, please be patient. God isn't finished with us quite yet. So friends in Christ, the good news of today's parable is that God can make something great.
come out of this whole glorious mess of the intermingled weeds and wheat that we are. On one metaphoric level, this field is about our individual lives. On another level, it's the field of our corporate human existence. On both levels, God is somehow able to miraculously take this mess of ours and bring forth from it both excellent flower and excellent fire. And when this flower and fire interact with each other through God's grace, somehow there emerges from the oven the bread of everlasting life the bread that is offered to us in the communion table. In this way, Christ's table becomes for us not a place of judgment, but an, but an occasion of hope. So today, it's all about seeing things from a different perspective, working hard not to be judgmental, not to be so upset with not only the world that we live in, but with ourselves as we struggle with our own sense of good and evil, but to focus more on God's grace, on God's goodness, on God's ability to know the difference between good and evil, and God's continued call uh, to be connected with God in everything that we do in our world. Amen.